Good morning and welcome to the Lost Boys to Found Fathers podcast. I'm Will Haycox and joining me is my co-host Gabe O'Sullivan. We're men who have suffered the loss of a child and through this production we desire to offer encouragement, strength, and hope to our fellow brothers who have traveled the same journey. Morning, Gabe. Good morning, Will. How are you doing this morning? Doing great, brother. Uh, good to be uh, back with you here and we are continuing on this discussion of um, kind of where we left off last mm-hmm. time uh, in the last episode about God being sovereign mm-hmm. and good and evil, and you know this whole series we're 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 telling men, hey, don't worry, like mm-hmm. God's in control, mm-hmm. and that's a good thing. And so you want to catch us up to date and and um, kind of bring us into this episode. Yeah, thanks. You did a good job there. I think where we left off, we went over several passages from the Bible and we just talked about some proof that God is sovereign over evil. Uh, we just really kind of discussed the idea that how how is that you know when you first say God's sovereign over evil or God allows evil um, you know, the first thought in a lot of guys' minds or really in anybody's mind is like that doesn't make sense God is good evil is bad so they're on two opposite ends of the spectrum and you know one can't be involved with the other and I think we have that perspective maybe from Hollywood or you know wherever we'll get that but. I think what we talked about last time, we used some passages in Isaiah, we used some passages uh, in First Samuel talking about Saul and David, and we just talked about how God sometimes, in First Samuel 18, 10 through 11, talks about how an evil spirit from God came to Saul, and Saul was unfaithful in his relationship with the Lord, and so God said, you know, I'm going to take the throne of Israel away from you, and I'm going to give it to David. And so Saul is tormented by an evil spirit, really because God and his sovereignty chose to tear down his kingdom in that way. And it was a result of Saul's actions and it was a punishment given to him. And so we just talked about how, you know, throughout history in the Bible, God used the empires of Egypt and Assyria and Babylon and Persia to bring about his will, whether that's to punish the Israelites, whether that's to set the Israelites free from oppression. God's sovereign over things that we would call evil, like battle, um, you know, horrible natural disasters where a lot of people die. Like those are things that that God is sovereign over. And again, and part of this recap, not to go way too far and get too far back in the weeds, because if you want the full explanation, you can go back and listen to the prior two episodes that are called part one and part two of the series. But we did discuss how there's a difference between God's permissive will and God's active will and very shortly that means God's permissive will is anything that happens in human history and in a nutshell it's permissive will because he allows it and he's in control and could have stopped it or could have chosen not to let it happen but he did because we have been given the gift of free will so God allows humans to choose to do things that are terrible in the sense of murder, but he also chooses to allow people, innocent as we would see them people, to suffer from the consequences of other people's actions just because sin has broken the world. So that's permissive will. And active will are the things that God actively causes to happen, that he sent Jesus here. You know, He was born of a virgin. He came. He lived a perfect life. He died on a cross. He was resurrected. Like all those things are God actively wanted this to happen in the life of Jesus so that we could be redeemed. And so there's a difference there. And that's kind of what we left off. 
So uh, the question, unless you had something to throw in there, Gabe, on that recap. No, that sounds good. Uh, the, the question that we were going to start back up with is, okay, so we know that God is sovereign over bad things, but if he wills and allows bad things to happen, then how can he be good? That same conversation that we just had. You know, God is on one side, evil's on the other side. How can they interact? And if they do interact, how can one be called good and one be called evil? So the short answer is, God is good because he says he's good. He's good because the Bible says he's good. And he's good because everything that we read about him in the Bible speaks to his goodness and his love and his mercy. And I just wanted to start with you know, God speaking to Moses on Mount Sinai, and he's proclaiming his own his own identity, and he's telling Moses who he is. This is Exodus 34, 6 through 7. He says, The Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness, keeping steadfast love for thousands, forgiving iniquity and transgression and sin, but who will by no means clear the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children and the children's children to the third and the fourth generation. So we see from that, God is merciful and he's patient and he's loving, but he's also just. If he doesn't punish evil, he can't be just, he can't be fair, and he wouldn't be good. Uh, basically, you know, you can see the same thing in, in your home, right, Gabe? Like, you know, both of us have kids. Uh, hopefully a lot of you guys out there listening have kids. You're not a good dad if you just let them do what they want all the time. Like, you can say you're loving because when they say they won't, and I'm, I'm guilty of this because my wife all the time, tells our daughter like no you can't have this and then she comes to me and I didn't know about it and she's like can I have some M&Ms and I give her M&Ms and then my wife comes in the room and she's like I just told her she can't have M&Ms so if I continue to give her M&Ms every time she wants them you could call that loving even though it's not but it's not good and it's not right for me it's not fair for me to just give her everything she wants because what if she then says hey dad can I go play with this snake and like if you want to say I'm loving, like, sure, baby, you can do whatever you want. But then she's going to get bit by the snake, and that hurts her. So I'm not good and right and just as a father if I give her anything that she wants and I don't set boundaries. So. That's right. Yeah, we got to teach them, right? The same. <clears throat> we got to teach them because when they get older, they're going to need to know mm-hmm. how to live rightly. And, and, um, and I think that's what God shows us in his character, too, is that he – in his love, he is just, mm. but in his love, he is also merciful, you know, because he justly has the right to punish sin, uh, as he says here, to the third and fourth generation. But out of his mercy, he sent his son, Jesus Christ, to mm. die for us. So mm. that way, he takes our punishment uh, on him mm. and then gives us his righteousness mm-hmm. and so there we see god's justice and his love and his mercy like all come together mm-hmm. yeah i mean i i've been uh counseled by some other guys not to just read a wall of <clears throat> verses because sometimes it's easy to get my, my point to be lost but i do want to read one more and then go over what you just said gabe you know psalm 25 6 through 8 this is david king david that we talked about a little bit in the recap he says to God, and, and this is a time of, of suffering. This is a time where you know, he's gone through a lot. We've talked about a little bit in past podcasts that David's story is basically you know, he's a nobody. God raises it up, raises him up, and 
gives him authority in the sense that he's known after he kills Goliath and helps the Israelites to defeat the Philistines in battle. But then, like we said a minute ago, Saul's the king and people start liking David more. And God says, you know, I'm going to give the throne to David. And so Saul's trying to kill him and David is is running and hiding and and scared for his life. His wife is taken away by uh, Saul. And so he's just, he's punished and he's just chased around and he loses everything. And so he writes this psalm to God. And again, this is Psalm 25, 6 through 8. says, Remember your mercy, O Lord, and your steadfast love, for they have been from of old. Remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions. According to your steadfast love, remember me for the sake of your goodness, O Lord. Good and upright is the Lord. Therefore, he instructs sinners in the way. And that's what we just said. You know, He's a merciful God. He has steadfast love, which another way to translate that is faithfulness or trustworthiness and it says they have been from of old so they've always been there remember not the sins of my youth or my transgressions according to your steadfast love and faithfulness and for the sake of your goodness and then the last thing there good and upright is the lord therefore he instructs sinners in the way so it's not good and upright is the lord because he lets me do what i want it's good and upright is the lord because just like a good father with his children he says hey you're trying to touch this oven and it's going to burn the heck out of your hand. I could just let you do what you want. Or I could be a good father and say, don't do that. It's bad for you. Like mm. you're, you're going to hurt yourself. You're going to cause yourself harm. Maybe it's just a little blister on the hand. You know, maybe if you're playing on the side of the road and you walk out on that road, you get hit by a bus and the kid's dead. You know, like there's, there's a lot of levels to that, but a good father, just like God is a good father to us. You instruct the ones beneath you and and tell them <clears throat> what they should and should not do for their own sake mm. and I, I love two things one you know david uses that word steadfast love twice in that passage mm. which is the same words that were you know from that exodus passage mm. a lot of years prior to that and then there's several other verses in in the bible particularly in psalms where it talks about God's steadfast love. So the thing that we that I thought of when you were reading that, Will, was that it's not, God, you are judgmental and you are vengeful and you are spiteful and you are, you know, you're whatever. It's like, no, God, that is not the main characteristic of the Lord. And unfortunately, in our society this day and time, because society is set against God, uh, because man's hearts are set against God from the beginning. We want to be our own God. We want to be our own ruler, uh, which goes way back to Genesis chapter you know, 1, 2, and 3, mm-hmm. that society, media, what have you, tries to put God in this light of he's just this bad dude that's like out to get you and try to keep you from doing what you want to do and letting you be yourself and letting you, you know, whatever, which is all goes back to such childish thinking and behavior, right? Like we were, like in these examples you're giving to kids, think if when you're a kid and you want a chocolate chip cookie, you think your parents are the most evil freaking people in the Mm -hmm. world because they won't give you a chocolate chip cookie, right? Mm -hmm. And then now as an adult, you're like, oh yeah, okay, I kind of get that right now. But you you, you think because somebody doesn't give you what you want that they are against you. Mm-hmm. And, and that's probably not the truth. It's probably that they are for you. Uh, and 
we see that now as adults, right? When we were kids, we thought like kids, we reasoned like kids. Now we're men, and hopefully we're starting to reason like men. And that uh, seeing that, again, this characteristic of steadfast love being brought up multiple times just made me think of that. And mm-hmm. even in the, we get into the New Testament, right? What, what does mm-hmm. it say? God is love. Mm-hmm. It doesn't say God is judgment. God is wrath. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, those are part of his characteristics, too, and stuff that he has to bring about. But he does that because of his love. Mm-hmm. And so I want guys to get that and grasp that, that God loves you. He's for you. He's not against you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, you know, just like you said there, you know, God is, part of God is judgment and wrath. But those are things that he does as an extension of his character, which is a good and perfect and holy set-apart being. It's not God's schizophrenic. It's not like some days yes. God is nice and good and he gives me lollipops and rainbows. And other days God's like, all right, I'm going to make Mount St. Helens explode and I'm going to kill a bunch of people. And there's going to be tornadoes in this town and that town. I just, you know, I'm just bored. I want to kill some people. Like he's not mm-hmm. the, uh, the Greek or the Roman gods that you see. If you read the, the myths where it's like, Hey, Zeus today is blessing this guy and giving him this ability and the next day Zeus is like I'm going to go try to have sex with a bunch of women and if I can't I'm going to kill her husbands or I'm going to throw lightning bolts randomly like it's not we don't see any of that in God we see like David said in the psalm here you know your steadfast love for it has been of old like what David's saying there is like as old as I can remember as long as I can hear back from my ancestors ancestors ancestor like you have been who you are now and you will continue to be who you are now and the bible says that he's the same yesterday today and tomorrow so god isn't wrath and mean and evil in the old testament and then he comes along with the the new testament he's like you know what i'm gonna send my son down there and i'm you know i'm actually gonna be nice to these people you know these these humans they they had some rough spots but now it's all good i'm just gonna pretend like nothing none of that happened i'm gonna send my son and you know we're all just gonna sing kumbaya under the stars and we're gonna be great like it's a jesus coming to earth being an embodiment of god's love and perfection and holiness here is an extension of who the god of the old testament is it's it's this steadfast love this faithfulness this trustworthiness that you can see from the very beginning showed in a human coming to earth and living the perfect life so that we can be reconciled with God. And so just going off of that, you know, James 1, 16 through 17, we hear, do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there's no variation or shadow due to change. So like we just said, Mm -hmm. God doesn't change. There's no variation or shadow due to change. Every good gift and every perfect gift comes from above. We've talked about this, and you, you've probably seen, because we know in the South we still have this kind of Christian subculture thing. Everyone says, or I've heard it said, you know, every good and perfect gift comes from above when someone gets pregnant or when someone has a baby. You get a card, and the card might have that verse quoted or something. Yeah. And that's a nice little cute thing to say, but it's true. You know, we, we've talked about before the children that we have that aren't living with us were good and perfect gifts from God that were blessings that we got to, you know, if you go back and listen to the early episodes of this podcast, we told the stories of, of my son Gabriel and, and Gabe's girls and 
we talked about how you know they've changed our lives to the point that we're here doing this podcast and they were gifts to us and everything that you know all the the kids that we have now are gifts to us and they're different gifts in different ways in different times of our life but those things came from god you know those those people those humans that we get to call our own and raise and enjoy the good days and you know sometimes suffer through the crazier days but still rejoice for them because we have those kids in our family Mm. they are all from god and you know every time there's a life it comes from god amen so and i'll say too like even like looking back like even difficulties Mm. we can see as gifts from god if if they are a difficulty that was kind of like given to us and not brought on by us right meaning that if i if i were to go off the rails and you know leave my family and then end up on skid row Mm. well that was stupid boneheaded thing that that difficulty was brought on by me being a moron not Mm. by god like he Mm. didn't say hey gabe you should leave your family and go become a heroin addict Mm. no that would be that would not be a good and perfect gift because I brought that on me because of my sinfulness. Mm-hmm. But a situation like we went through, losing children, that looking back on that, we see that that was a gift. Now, why was that a gift? There's mm-hmm. a, a lot of reasons, but mainly it brought us closer to the Lord and it helped him refine us into the men that he wanted us to be. It helped him get away or get off the the impurities of our lives and of our thinking and of our understanding of God and and hopefully has made us into to men that are more honoring to him that understand him better that treat our wives better they're even going to parent better now and that hopefully are making a difference in in other folks' lives because of what we went through now I probably wouldn't couldn't have said that a month or two or a year you know after I went through that terrible time of losing those children. But now, 18 years later, like I see that even that, even difficulties and sufferings can be a gift because it's helping us to become more of who God wants us to be. Mm. Um, just as, again, I'm going back to sports analogies, just as if you're like, man, I, I want to get, I want to get beach body. Well, guess what you better do? You better do the beach body workout, right? Mm-hmm. Or you better quit eating donuts and start eating some meat mm-hmm. and some sweet potatoes. Mm-hmm. Like, because if you want to have a certain result, then you have to suffer through the the difficulties to get you that that result. And so even things like challenges and, and, and hard times can be blessings and gifts from God mm-hmm. if we allow them to be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, and just <clears throat> to tell, to retell the story of the Old Testament to prove that point, you know, you have God saving mankind through protecting Noah and his family from death and the flood, even though I, I pulled up this verse here uh, after the flood was over and Noah and his family were out and they were back on the earth and uh, God makes a covenant with Noah. He says to Noah in uh let's see what is this Genesis 8:21 he says and when the it says and when the lord smelled the pleasing aroma noah built an altar and, and offered some animals and burnt sacrifices as when god smelled that pleasing aroma the lord said in his heart i will never again curse the ground because of man 
For the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I ever again strike down every living creature as I have done. That's such a weird verse. Because, you know, like in our human minds, when he says, I will never again curse the ground because of man, for the intention of man's heart is evil from his youth. Like the logical thing in our minds is like, I'm just going to wipe man out permanently Mm. because the intention of his heart is evil. But instead, God says the opposite. He's like, I promise I'm not going to destroy you because you're evil. And instead of destroying you, you know, this uh, whole episode we see with Noah being the one person and the one family saved out of the destruction of the humanity that existed before this time is a type of Christ, a type of uh, figure that is a redeemer that God redeems Noah from the sins of his nation and, and all humanity at that time brings him through the flood. And then he does the same thing speaking to the Israelites later on, you know, the Israelites were in Egypt and they were in captivity and they were suffering and their suffering was just made worse and worse. And instead of leaving them there, God was faithful and just to bring them out of Egypt through all the the 10 plagues that you can read about in the Bible and in Exodus. And then he brought them through the wilderness. He was, from what we can tell, like he was planning to bring them right to the promised land, let them in the promised land. And then they demonstrated unfaithfulness despite everything that God had done for them at that point and all rescuing them out and demonstrating his power they were like, no, we're scared. We don't want to go over there to the you know, the promised land. The people over there look big and scary, and we don't trust you, God, to protect us. We're just going to sit here and cower in fear. So God still, even though they were unfaithful there, he could have just left them in the, in the wilderness and let them die. And he even says that to Moses. He's like, you know, I can lead these people here, and I can bring up a whole new nation from you. But even instead of doing that, it says he provided manna for them, which is you know, bread from heaven, which was something that sustained them every day. They woke up and there was food on the ground every single day for them. And he didn't even allow their clothes or shoes to wear out. It's just, it's an amazing little verse I always, uh, I love to see when I read through the Bible. It's Deuteronomy 29, 5. God says, I have led you 40 years in the wilderness. Your clothes have not worn out on you and your sandals have not worn off your feet. I don't know, you know, that that's just another one of those like, miracle, random right? verses yeah. but like yeah if anybody's ever you know the last year I start, I picked up running and I've gone through like two or three pairs of running shoes in a year wow so like yeah I'm running on asphalt but these people were in the desert with sand that is abrasive mm-hmm. for 40 years and their sandals didn't wear out they didn't have like Vibram sold sandals you know <laughs> and like mm-hmm. this super thick sandals with all the you know, Nike this or Nike that and the the air bubbles, whatever Nike calls those Air Max things, you know, like they didn't have like these great shoes that could just withstand all the the troubles of the desert. Like they were probably just some kind of leather or something. Yeah. And they had just wool or whatever clothes and these things lasted for forty years. Like you said, that's there's nothing but a miracle in that. So God cared for them even in their unfaithfulness enough to say like i know you as a human your body is weak you need something to protect your feet and you need something to protect your body and i'm gonna provide for that in the wilderness while you're being disobedient to me and then you go even further you know god responded to the wickedness and unfaithfulness of them 
by continuing to reach out to them through the prophets. And there's you know, Elijah, there's Jeremiah, there's Micah, there's all these different prophets you can read about in the Bible. And God sent these prophets to Israel to bring them back to him because he loved them. And he didn't send these prophets just to, to go and to yell at the people of Israel and say, hey, all you guys are bad. God's going to destroy you. Like There are a few prophets that did come in and they prophesied the destruction of Israel. But God did that with the heart that they would turn from their wickedness and turn back to him. And God, even though all these prophets were ignored and several of them were killed by Israel, God eventually sent his own son to die on a cross, like you said a minute ago, Gabe. And he paid for our sins while we were sinners deserving to be destroyed just like the earth was destroyed before noah we deserve to be punished like we just read god is a just god he's loving but he's also full of wrath and justice against sin and so he's not a god that can just say hey i love you i'm gonna wink at your sin and let you in heaven like he's got to punish sin to be a just and good god that we want to worship and he did that not in destroying the most evil of humanity, not in you know punishing each of us just a little bit enough to punish our sin, but he sent his son who was perfect to come to live a perfect life, to die on a cross, suffer through the physical pain of being tortured and being hung on a cross and suffocating, and also the spiritual pain, which is so much worse of bearing the sin that I did, that you did, that Gabe did, that you know Noah and all the people before him did, the people after him did. He bore the sins of the world, and he paid the penalty for that so that we could be accepted into heaven and we could get back into right relationship with God. So if that's not consistently demonstrating love, goodness, and forgiveness, I don't know what is. Mm-hmm. You know? And that's why they call the gospel good news. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, just, it's hard. I get goosebumps going through this little section here like we have been evil and unfaithful over and over and over again and instead of responding in wrath and punishment god responds with goodness and forgiveness man it made me think and this is a again another a crazy elementary example and i hope it translates here but <clears throat> so going back to like this by jesus god's like because you are going to continue to sin and your heart has been on evil mm-hmm I'm going to, out of my loving kindness, provide a savior for you that I'm going to take away your sin with and give you his righteousness mm-hmm. because you don't deserve it mm-hmm. right? and because mm-hmm. you're because you're so simple. Mm-hmm. So it's this whole, like you said, it's the opposite. Right? Mm-hmm. It's thinking if I do something bad, I should get something bad. Like I mm-hmm. should get a punishment for that. God's like, mm-hmm. because you are evil. I'm going to give you grace and mercy. Mm-hmm. And that is amazingly yeah. good news. And it makes me mm-hmm. think about my kid, Tyson. Tyson, if you ever listen to this, I'm really sorry for what I'm about to say. This kid's underarms smell so bad. Like, they're, I hope he never listens to this. But they like, <laughs> Hopefully his future wife he's only, yeah, he's only six. And I'm like, dude, how can, like, what are you eating? It smells like he's eating, like, cheeseburgers with onions for every meal like really stinking and i don't know it's it's the craziest thing and he eats good i don't know what the deal is but he's just got this thing where he's six years old where he's always having to wear deodorant already and it could be that on those nights that he's like been playing outside it's been crazy and he smells so bad right that he's like i'm just gonna 
I, I, I'm really, I'm really angry, Dad, because I'm so sleepy. I don't, I just want to go to bed because he loves to sleep. He's like amazing. He loves to sleep so good. He slept so good his whole life. Mm. Very rarely does he wake up and have a bad dream or anything like that. He just sleeps like 12 hours, and he's the happiest little mm. dude most of the time. And he, I could just be like, okay, you know what? <clears throat> I'm gonna, I'm gonna let you just go ahead and sleep, and go to sleep and not, and not take a shower. And not bathe, and then you're gonna be the stinky kid tomorrow at school. Where I think about Big Daddy with Mister mm-hmm. with Adam Sandler, right? Mm-hmm. Where he's like, "Oh, my kid's the stinky kid." He mm-hmm. starts making him take a bath, and so I could be like that with Tyson. But instead, I'm like, because you're angry and yelling at me right now because you want to go to sleep and not take a bath, and because I know how you stink so bad, and I don't want your friends to be making fun of you tomorrow at school. Mm-hmm. I'm going to give you. A, I'm going to have you take a bath or a shower, like, and wash those armpits, like, a lot, right? And then in the morning, you're going to put on deodorant mm-hmm. before you go to school, like, because I know those things about him mm-hmm. are offensive. I'm going to provide something for him as his father mm-hmm. that he don't like. Mm-hmm. He don't want to get in a bath. He just wants to go to bed. But mm-hmm. it's going to make him clean. And it's going to make him presentable. Mm-hmm. And that's what God did for us in Jesus. Mm-hmm. Is that he gave us his son so that even though we our hearts are bent on evil and doing what we want to do, if we'll just acquiesce to, to his will and we'll repent from our sin mm-hmm. and allow him to wash us clean with Jesus' blood covering our sins, then we become presentable before the Lord, and that's mm-hmm. a blessing, man. That's, mm-hmm. that's a good God right there. You can't say He's not good when, mm-hmm. you, when you realize that. No, and I don't think we need to add anything else to it. I think that's a, that's a good word. I think uh, you know the points come across that God is good. God brings wrath and judgment and, and justice to sin, but He's a God that, that loves us. He's a God that has reached out to us and continually chased us even when we have run away from him as far as we can mm-hmm. so thank you guys for joining us today make sure you follow lost boys to found fathers on facebook instagram and twitter you can also check out games books he's got that will be done with a question mark you can find that one on amazon and he's got the newer book is uh, every little thing six small steps to perfect peace you can also find that one on amazon too right gabe that's right yep thank you guys let's not be lost let's be found in him